Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of FNI Rap Chat with uh, Paul Butler Lennox and Paul Webster. How are we all doing? Are we enjoying the last of the weather? Sure, it's glorious out there for what's left in it, so uh, make hay while the sun shines. Uh, so today we have a very interesting uh, up-and-coming director by the name of Lee Cronin. Uh, Lee has made some really interesting genre shorts over the last kind of four or five years and has been working in advertising for for a couple of years beforehand as well. And he's been making some really interesting content. Um, uh, he made a short a while ago called Ghost Train, which was a really interesting kind of prelude, kind of suspense, horror type uh, type piece. And it's really good. And he has an upcoming feature by the name of A Hole in the Ground, uh, starring uh, Shauna Kerslake. Um, and yeah, by all accounts, it's uh, it looks like it's going to be pretty good. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, we had a chat with Lee about um, <laughs> growing up in scaries and uh, joining bands and um, his influences early on, arcades and and and, and so on. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty good one. Uh, FNI related news. What have we got for you? What have we got? Um, yeah, we have a couple of interesting kind of events coming up later in the year, so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that on our social networks and so on. If you'd like to sponsor FNI Rap Chat in any capacity, you can drop us an email at fnirapchat at gmail.com um, or DM us on Instagram or on our Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash film network I. Um, so yes uh, oh also if you'd like to buy us a coffee or sponsor FNI in general or the podcast itself if you go to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI uh, you can buy us a coffee there to help us uh, to continue with the kind of level of work that we'd like uh, equally if you have any suggestions for people that you'd like to have on um, do let us know again drop us a message uh, so yeah Lee Cronin uh, thanks a mil hello everyone hello <laughs> We're in the room here with Lee Cronin. Thanks very much for joining us. Not a problem at all. Thanks for dragging me in on this beautiful day. <laughs> yeah. Another beautiful day. It's great to be in. We're dragging people and it's supposed to get nicer. Sometime. It's supposed to get nicer. <sighs> right, we call this a bad day in the grander scheme of things over the next week. Oh, yeah, big time. I, like, I feel like I really want to complain about it, but I'm not going to. Don't. Don't. <laughs> Just enjoy it. The, um, as the water streams down his, his brow and uh, other uh, crevices. Anyway, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Glad of I came, excellent. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of FNI Rap Chat with myself, Paul. Uh, and I'm Paul and we're with Lee Cronin. Uh, Lee, what's the story? What's the story? Uh, the story is um, I'm a writer-director, a filmmaker, if you want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working in the business for number of years in different capacities, always pushing towards the, the ultimate goal of, of, uh, of making the kind of things that I want to make. Um, just recently wrapped post-production on my debut feature film. Amazing. Um, which has been a long, 
exciting and arduous road. Um, <laughs> and what's that called? It's called The Hole in the Ground. And this is a genre? It's a psychological horror movie. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay. So um, that, I think, what day is today? Friday? Say Friday? Mm-hmm. Signed off in it two weeks ago. So we shot it wow. a like year ago. Everything. Yeah, everything done and dust. We shot it a year ago. Brilliant. Um, and uh, we just just completely signed off. And now, yeah, so Amazing. took a, week, a week's rest um, and... Back nice. Piece yeah. of piss. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll. I guess we'll build up to that. Sure. And sure. get to that. So we might just go back to your early days of filmmaking. What were your first forays into? First, like stuff? really, really first forays. Like yeah, the, yeah. The super eight years. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or your influences. Yeah, or... didn't didn't have the super eight years exactly. I think the kind of I obviously always loved loved movies. Um, wasn't wasn't that kind of like eight year old kid running around with a camera as much as I'd like to say I was. Mm. Although my dad did make a lot of super eight films when I was younger. So I certainly understood the process a little bit, but I didn't get, get involved. Um, I was actually, I was probably about 12 or 13. Uh, my best friend at the time, his mother, said, you should become a movie reviewer because you'd never stop talking about movies. I hadn't noticed that I talked about them so much. Right. I was generally just obsessed with football. So I didn't realise I was talking about movies as much. Um, and well, Let's uh, just talk about football for uh, the next 20 minutes. Football, yeah. Actually. Yeah, yeah. You're a United <laughs> fan. Make a change think, for us. You? Yeah, what's wrong with that? United fan. You can tell. You can well, at tell. least I have something to talk about now. Winning, Talking about winning is boring. Who do you support? <laughs> <Down to> Liverpool. <laughs> that's, that's why you're into movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the same. I'm a Liverpool fan as well. There you go. But... Um, I kind of like, yeah, I was kind of like, well, actually, I'm not really interested in writing about movies, but maybe I could try and write stuff. And I just started writing little short films. And I think I kind of spent, I always liked the English language anyway, like, and it was certainly my favorite subject in school. Um, and I spent quite a bit of time just writing these like, like little shorts. And then I bought, I was around, it was around the band era. So I had a drum kit at about 15, 16. <laughs> yeah. And I sold my drum kit to buy a camcorder. Uh, that's a so common theme you wouldn't you, like believe me there's lots and lots of I people. really regret it now because yeah. I really miss my drum kit right. um, but the, uh, I bought a camcorder and I kind of started just making random stuff I think I was very interested in special effects so at first I would kind of I don't just make like blood blood packs and stab stuff and you know right. make little Lego stop motion movies and, and things like that no real sense of narrative or what I was doing mm. and then started to try and write stuff and then kind of made the the angsty teenage short about, you know, someone doing their leaving cert. And <laughs> I was, it was called Say a Prayer for the Kids of America because I don't, the character done really bad in his leaving cert and was going to move to America to work on a building site or something. Okay. And the title came from the end credit song from Scream, which is Say a Prayer for the Kids of America. And I thought that was a great idea. That's a great title. So there's a lot of angst going on and yes. a lot of watching of Scream, actually. I think that was kind of the movie that I wanted to, uh, to try and emulate at the time, Big Wes Craven fan. So, mm. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Scaries. Okay. Um, so... I used to Small. go there in the summer when I was a kid. Yeah, I used to think it was like the Costa del Sol. It was where, only where half an hour. Well, I grew up in Ballymun, but okay. uh, uh, so yeah, not too far away. Yeah, it was like like your hometown would have been like my paradise. Yeah, and do you know what? I was I was down there last week and it was it was glorious. I didn't see yeah. it like that in years. There was like people on the beach, people swimming. It was like it was really yeah. It was a nice place to grow up. Yeah, kind of um, yes, yeah, kind of small and quiet and like a lot of a lot yeah, of small yeah. Irish towns. But and uh, like a lot of your films have. Kids in them, or stars yeah. revolve around kids. And like, yeah. do you kind of refer back to your own childhood a good bit? When I, I, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose so. Like I've, I suppose of the of the three shorts that I made, yeah, like two of them focus around kids, and certainly the the, the new film, the feature film, has you know an eight year old in a, in a in a huge role in the film as well. Okay. Um, where that comes from, I don't know. I think you know, creepy kids are fun, uh, <laughs> but I, like I actually I, I couldn't tell you where it comes from. I suppose I do reflect on my childhood quite a bit like one of my yeah. short films Ghost Train was certainly based around a ghost train that I was a little bit fearful of right in my small town you can see, you can see the, um, yeah, the yeah. influence there with the arcades and yeah. stuff yeah. yeah but it's like obviously you go back now and it's 
it's it's a rotting dump that has no no ominous not yeah. my town but yeah exactly <laughs> the uh, the uh, the fairground right but yeah, yeah so certainly yeah I, I kind of look back I kind of I suppose in terms of influences like a lot of filmmakers of kind of my age and generation or whatever certainly was hugely influenced by the by Spielberg and what Spielberg did to film around that time. So the kind of, mm. I describe myself as a child of Amblin. But also, like, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that I loved. I think Jaws remains my favourite movie, for sure. Mm, right. um, as much as I try and break away from it. it just, it's perfect, it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, and it's actually, it's not even structurally straightforward, which is what I like about it. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a really, it's, it's still a really strange movie to me. Every time I watch it, I know there's something new and I've seen it. A lot of times, yeah, so the shining way too young. Yeah, well. I rewatched it like two weeks ago, and I just like on Netflix, and it was crystal clear because you know DVDs like yeah. four eighty or seven twenty or whatever, and rewatched it, and I just, I just, I was just mesmerized by every scene. It's mm, so amazing. incredible. I had a weird experience where it took me until maybe five years ago before I'd ever noticed that over the end credits you see them get out of the water. I used to just always like stop yeah. at the end, and I'd never noticed that you see uh, Richard Dreyfus and Roy Scheider's characters actually come out of the water on the beach over the end credits. Oh, really? I'd never noticed it before. I, I didn't do I also was a rock out in the water. If you just keep on watching, they actually get onto the beach. You see them arrive on the beach in this really big wide shot. No, I, I had never noticed. Oh. Oh, I definitely can ask I was, I was wondering why Dreyfus didn't turn up in Jaws 2. <laughs> he was lost they, there's a reason to go back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so going from the kind of, you're messing around and, play, and yeah. kind of making stuff, what was kind of your first thought that oh actually I could make a living out of this in terms of making a living or yeah or you know oh, wow um make or, a career or got to that point. actually <laughs> yeah no, I started with that camcorder I started shooting school shows and events and stuff like that yeah and yeah. charging people in my year for VHS copies there so you go. a That's young producer a came out. Yeah, yeah 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 Jesus yeah I well, actually remember that now not so much making a living but you know this is what I want to do for serious I think it was there but like I yeah. by the time I'd done my leaving cert I I very little interest in doing anything else yeah and I applied for a course which I got into, but it wasn't what I wanted to do, so I took a year out. Yeah, and then I worked as a runner in like Windmill Lane. Right, like I was about, I think I was like seventeen, eighteen, um, and used that kind of available time then to do my portfolio to go to to Dunleary, yeah. to the film school out there. Uh, went there for three years, and certainly you face up to the realities of how difficult this business is going to be. Nothing's going to be handed to you on a plate mm. at all. Um, and then I I left there, and what was the first job I did after I left? Worked on King Arthur. Ah. Oh yeah, as a greens person, sta- like standby greens, cutting thistles out of the ground, just so that horses wouldn't stand on them. Right, a camera got to meet everybody. Right. I think I lasted three weeks. Well, wow. I think I got a chest infection from some really weird smoke they were burning. <laughs> I decided I'd made enough money to survive the summer in three weeks. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I did that, and then worked as a journalist okay. uh, for a local paper <laughs> for six months. Wrote a cover to cover horoscopes, everything, but kept kept on knowing what I wanted to do and just trying to find the way, the route to that. You wrote the, co- the horoscopes as I well? I wrote everything. <laughs> really? Cover to cover. Okay. An issue a week. Jesus wow. Christ. Yeah, it was hard. It was a really hardcore job and the wages were awful. Yeah. Really, Jeez. really awful. So, but that was a great motivator. Actually. Local arcade shuts down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a great motivator because I, I didn't, I didn't like the job from day one but I was like, I have to put something tangible yeah. on my CV. Mm-hmm. But so you like, were writing. I, I was writing yeah. about like, creating. you know, coffee mornings. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Still they could be horrific. Yeah. <laughs> but you were honing your, like, it's it's all relative. Or it is. Would you, or it is, yeah. No, it kind of kept it ticking over. Then, what was the next step was a couple of my good mates in film school we decided to set up a company together. So we all kind of came together and we, we kind of made it work for a couple of years. And it was the idea was let's do whatever we have to do with our skills to free us up to try and make some movies. Mm. And we were kind of naive, but we made some money and we paid our wages for a while. 
And then I think all of our ambitions changed a little bit and went in different ways. Okay. And I took some of what I learned doing that on my own into the, first of all, into the corporate space and then into the advertising space. Mm. And then at that point was able to make stuff at a certain level that I thought I can actually do this properly. Yeah. Like I'm not terrible at this. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I have some form of eye. I still don't know exactly what it is. And start working with better people because the team around you is so important, you know. Um, and yeah, that was that was kind of, there you go, that was the journey. <laughs> okay, okay. Here I am today. <laughs> uh, well, you just had that moment where you realised you're not terrible, so like, it's a real interview kind of question, but like, what, what would you see as your strengths as a director? Or what, you know? Wow. And then what would Good you question. maybe think you could work? I think I'm reasonably patient, actually, right. mm. which maybe sometimes assistant directors and producers don't like because I'm patient to get it right. Um, right. But these are, t- yeah, take, taking my time. No, I think, yeah. um, I don't know. I think if I had to really boil it down, it's, that's a really good question because it's kind of hard to answer, but I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I think I'm a decent motivator. I think I'm good at bringing people together and quite good at getting them to perform in the way that I need them to perform. And yeah. there is obviously always a hierarchy on a set, but it doesn't have to feel that way at all in terms mm. of how it works. Um, and I think I, was, I describe, for me, from my point of view, the, the directing thing is you've got a picture on a wall and it's a little bit blurry but you roughly know what you what you want to go up there and then yeah. you're like a filter you just you spend your day just answering questions yeah red or blue black or white yeah you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it, 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 it's and sometimes that's really what it is but all the time you're make you're ideally making the choice to help paint that picture on the wall that you can see but yeah so as cliche sounds you need really good people around you to be able yeah. to perform no it's very nicely put yeah yeah, yeah. so calm under pressure sometimes yeah sometimes well pressure's for tires anyway so. yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, we kind of touched on it briefly there, um, just from looking at your work, the, the whole kids thing, and mm-hmm. like, I've I've yet to do it. I've never directed kids. It's a, it's a bit daunting. Yeah. Is there any kind of tips that you've learned or treat them like grown ups? Right. Really? Yeah. yeah. I'm the youngest in my family by a, like I was a definite accident. So I have a lot of <laughs> nieces and nephews. So I've been exposed to uh, to like, you know, I've kind of you know had a lot of kids around me, even kind of you know during the years I was developed as a filmmaker and. Yeah. They like the fun and games of it all. And you just you just learn to they're, they're just your friends, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. So there's no point. Like there is times. Obviously, you have to use your grown up nouse to, I suppose, you know, get the performance that you need. And sometimes you turn it into a game. Yeah. Like I remember on Ghost Train, there was one kid that was really an experienced kid playing the character <coughs> Sam, and uh, it's sometimes really you say to a kid, "I need you to scream," but they'll do an impression of screaming. They won't actually scream. They won't let right. go and give you what you need. Yeah. They'll just do an impression of what sounds like when someone does a scream. So they'll go, ah, and you're like, well, no, I need you to, like, you know, let go. Yeah. And we ended up turning it into a game. It was the only way we could, we, we just about got there, okay. which was that, like, I would hit someone on the leg and they would scream. And we did this chain of rising screams into his close-up, wow. if you know what I mean. So we had the other cast and a couple of the crew. Yeah. And we were just basically hitting each other and escalating our screams as a game. So he would do the loudest scream of all. Yeah. By the end, ah. um, so and that was, sometimes that you got yeah. sometimes you have to play mm. games. But you know what? Whether that's a, a big grown-up actor or a little actor, you're always playing psychological games. It's part of the job. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, trying to manipulate for the performance, not manipulate the person, but for the performance that you need. And to go back, then um, we just maybe go through some of the films that you've done. So, what what was the first kind of where you actually had a budget and it was an outside body and what was the first film that you made like that like in terms of fund, funded by somebody yeah, else yeah well it was it was my second there was kind of the college shorts and then I made one in between and then there's what I call my first professional short right yeah, yeah. and that was self funded but then the first one that was funded by other people was a short called Billion Chuck which was money from 
the much missed already film base. Film base, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. needs to be replaced. Yeah, somehow in some way. Yeah, and yeah, maybe just tell us what. So I I watched it this morning. What's it about? Just for people who haven't seen it. Um, it is a. It's a love letter to Spielberg. <laughs> right. uh, it's it's a fantasy adventure uh, story about a little boy um, whose father is dead and he has a imaginary friend uh, on over a walkie-talkie called Chuck who's this grizzled US Army major and he goes and adventures with Chuck into the forest and this particular day he's found his dead dad's gun which happens to have one bullet in the breech. So the adventure takes a kind of more dark turn when he encounters other people out in the forest and I suppose fantasy and reality crash together. Yeah. Towards the end, um, it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in a world where children have guns and bullets, yeah, and not a good world. No, uh, a very bad world. Congrats on like getting so much out of was it ten thousand euro 10, budget? Ten thousand. I think we might have myself, my producer John Cavill. We think we might have scraped together another fifteen hundred euro or something. Okay, yeah, to try yeah. Feed, feed people well. Yeah. And, and there's a tank. There's in a film. tank in it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, which actually <laughs> isn't a. Ta- I'm going to ruin the myth. Yeah. it's not a tank. It's an armored personnel vehicle with a gun on the front. And where did and you get that? There's a difference. Them? I learned. <laughs> there's a guy out in the Curra camp. Curra camp or near? Is that what the? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. In yeah. the Curra area yeah. that has some tanks, wow. and it was a rare, a rare. Usually it's always the director that wants more and the producer's like a little bit less. You know, traditionally that's the thought. Yeah. And actually John... They, they had this stop! Tank. Stop! We've got a massive tank. Proper that chieftain, no, the chieftain tank, which is this enormous proper Caterpillar track tank. And John right. was like, oh yeah. And I was like, I don't think we're going to be able to get that to move in the forest right. and yeah. drive towards yeah. children at speed. Because yeah. that's what we wanted to yeah. do with the tank. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I'll just take the, you know, the assault vehicle instead. That was a scary moment <laughs> shooting the tank shot because... Right. You've got three kids, one tied to a tree, two more there, and there is a tank it's bar- barreling towards them. Wow. Um, yeah. so, and their parents are all standing at the monitor <laughs> smiling, going, this is such a great experience. Um, yeah. And you're like, oh. Yeah. yeah. Please turn right if you go too fast. <laughs> yeah. and very, very slowly, or quickly if you can. How was that an experience then, kind of getting that out there? <clears throat> it actually was a bit of a flop. Right, being really? Tr- being truthful, yeah. The first short we made through the night, which was a horror short, did really well for us. Yeah. Mm. And played like all, like all over the world. And, and that was the in, self-funded one. Yeah. And right. like we made that for a couple of grand and yeah. it, it, it played in like high profile places, got us a lot of attention, opened a lot of doors, really got things moving. And then actually this, no one really knew where to place the second short because it was kind of dark, kind of for kids, so mm. kind of for grown-ups right. who liked the sort of stuff I liked when I was growing up. So yeah. I think... People really love it, but it, it it didn't seem to fit in the festival profile. So yeah, yeah, maybe like it was ahead of like now with like Stranger Things that yeah. kind of straddles that genre of kind of for kids and now kind of for yeah now yeah. Or, yeah. I do you were ahead of your time. Shelf somewhere, I must pull that. <laughs> I can see it working. Um, so yeah, um, what, like I'll just touch on some other elements if I can. Um, You've worked, obviously, a little bit in advertising sure. over the years as well and directed some bits and pieces. Um, what's primarily the difference between directing in that world and directing in your own world, or your own head, essentially? Yeah. I think, it's, it, in a lot of ways, it's the same job. Mm. Um, you, you're interpreting, you're generally interpreting... For me, okay, I can only talk from my experience. So I've written what I've directed so far, or co-written what I've directed. Um, whereas nine times out of ten, ten in advertising world, you're interpreting somebody else's work, mm-hmm. um, which is also valuable and viable because there's people out there that don't write and just direct. Mm-hmm. So for me, the experience is always very different in terms of, you know, when you're writing something on the page, you're already developing that vision versus getting handed a script that maybe you don't even quite understand, which happens quite often. What is the message here and what are we trying to say? Right. It's also more intense, but it's it's gr- it's a great um, 
what I did, but what I took probably most from working in advertising is the brevity with which you have to tell a story. And you develop these instincts of being able to crawl out of a situation when you're shooting drama where the clock is ticking down and you're like, I've got one, I can afford one more setup, but I've got four shots in the shot list and, you know, let's go here and we'll get out of this problem. So it helps to be economical, I guess. It, do, it, it definitely does, yeah. It, de- it definitely does. But in, t- in terms of the differences, look, it's the same thing. You're showing up with the, when you're showing up at a crew. Yeah. You know, you, I suppose you've got, you've got a room of other people that are debating if what you're shooting is what they want as you go. So, okay. you know... The horror stories you hear, although I never had any horror stories, but mm. you, you can see them there. And sometimes there's debates around, you know, guys, we're four hours in and we've we've changed the, you know, the cushions 10 times. And, we're and there's only so started. many donuts and danishes they can eat in, in this canopies. Is next, this you know. is true. But it's a, it's a tough game because it's it's like what, what you sometimes forget, I suppose, or then you learn in advertising is for some people, that's their feature film. They're a marketing person and they're like, this mm. is the one thing I'm going to do this year that really matters. So they yeah, want right. to make sure they kind of get it right. So I suppose there's different approaches um, to advertising. There's certain certain directors that might just pull down a barrier and say, hey, you know, like I'm not, I'm not going to listen to anything anyone else has to say. Mm-hmm. But I tend to find that that just made the job harder. <laughs> so yeah, right. it's all about what you want. Yeah. It's all about what you want. Also, like, do you find sometimes there can be a big gaps in between those kind of more passion projects? So are you keeping, you're keeping the engines oiled a bit? That's, that's very true. Yeah, like, you know, it took me... I guess it took me the guts of five years to get from my last short film to making the feature. Mm. It's a slow mm. crawl out of the primordial soup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right description. But yeah, it's slow. And so it is good to kind of keep the skill sharp. But equally, I did a kind of mathematical equation over the amount of ads I did during that spell and realized that two and a half years of those five years was spent making advertising. And I wondered if I hadn't done that, would I have made the feature film two and a half years earlier? You can't, you can't help but wonder. Mm. So it is... I, I, if I do something I'm committed to it and I used to often think oh I'll you know I'll walk you know I'll, I'll sit in the edit suite all day and we'll have clients in and we'll do screenings and we'll do this and I'll go home and I'll write like six pages tonight and you'd go home and your brain is mush yeah, yeah. so of course, yeah, it, yeah. The, maybe for, again I can only speak for myself for me I find it difficult to make the thing would you be fairly obsessive when you're working on something is it, is it all consuming all the time Lack it's not even about obsession it just, it, it just makes it so it's not, a, it's not purely obsession that's just the way it is well what I mean is do you get up in the morning and it's the first thing on your mind you know and day and night and if it's my own project sure yeah that's what I yeah, mean yeah yeah of yeah, course extensively. yeah I've got better at not thinking about it at night and that just might be from just you just get tired but it's turned <laughs> off you know yeah yeah, yeah. But, uh, certainly, let's look at somebody else's work certainly yeah. when you're in like prep particularly um you know, the last thing you want to do is wake up at three o'clock in the morning to get a drink of water because you're not going back to bed for a while. Mm. Mm. It just, it just, the switch just kind of goes on straight away. Mm. Um, so yeah, it does. You're, you're absolutely right. It does kind of consume. Yeah, well, I guess I suppose you couldn't have done, you know, just going back to what you were saying about the two and a half years that you would have lost. Mm-hmm. It's probably not manageable in that regard. No, no. You got to eat too though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, you do. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I think the, the great thing is as long as you're, as long as you're working and as long as you're shooting, you're engaging with people, you're meeting good people, you're increasing your scope, your scale, your skills, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But you still, I suppose you kind of have to be a little bit picky, maybe. You've got to try and be picky, which I wasn't good at. I just, hey, yeah. there's another ad, let's go. And you end up with what's known as like an eclectic showreel, <laughs> uh, which means you're not the master of just this thing over here, which people tend to want because then there's a security. Right. You know, they go, oh, this guy does beer really well, or this guy does this really well. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Sometimes range in advertising is a danger. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's be interesting. And to be honest, possibly the same in the wider world of filmmaking as well. Mm. Tom Cruise does Tom Cruise movies. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. sure does. And directors get associated with genres. And, or ha- It's how you let yourself get pigeonholed that's important. Right. <laughs> 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 Whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you did a storyland. I did. Probably qu- fairly quick after Chuck and Billy was. Billy, it was, yeah. Let me think. It was... Similar, it was around same the same cast. time. I, I think it was, it was it was afterwards because the idea for the storyline thing we did came from two of the kids we cast in Billy and Chuck. Yeah. We were like, we need an idea I for remember seeing that. Those kids were great. They were great. Really yeah. good, yeah. Like really good. They were really, really good. Could you maybe just explain the idea? for? So that was uh, called The Master Plan. Yeah. And it was it was a story. This, Jesus, man, this must be 2010, 11. Mm. 2011, maybe? How, just out of curiosity, and it was great. How did it do? Because it was such a long time ago. In because it, it was still. It didn't like, do great, actually. It wasn't the, like that was. It was still competitive back then, wasn't it? The it was still competitive. Thing? Yeah. Okay. Like I, could, I remember I, going. I, no, I, what are you doing? I can fully tell you my version there. of what I think happened, but it, it would probably sound like I'm being bitter, um, which I'll try not to be. But it was, uh, yeah, it was. It's a story of, of a kid who really basic fancies his teacher. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we've all been there. He's, he's got he's got a crush on his teacher, and it turns out she likes music. He's a maths geek. His friend is an idiot. They decide to start a band to try and... What I was, what I found funny about it was it wasn't like, let's start trying band to be in a band. Let's pretend we can be a band and get away with playing one song at the school show to look like we're a band yeah. and impress her. Which was, I was, after my drum kit years, everyone else in my family played guitar and I just needed to learn one song to show, like, I can play guitar too. You know, <laughs> so you didn't need to actually be able to play a lot of songs. Do you know, this is a little number I like to call Wonderwall. Do you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I could even manage Wonderwall. Live forever, I think I was able to manage. It, it, it kind of reminded me of Sing Street. You were like six I've heard this. or seven years I, ahead I, of it. I, I, I've heard this. No comment. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, um, in truth, I haven't seen Sing Street, which okay. is terrible. I've heard okay. it's fantastic. But when I heard the plot of Sing Street, I was a little bit like, I don't know if I want to see this it's, because... It's similar. And even... Um, the kid, the main yeah. kid in Sing Street kind of looks like the kid that you cast. Look, which is weird. Yeah, but yeah. fair enough. You know, Coincidences. There's, lo- there's lo- lots of, yeah, <laughs> there's lots of good ideas out there. Sometimes yeah. people have similar ones. Yeah. No, but it's, you know, there's, not, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, yeah. is there? And I certainly hadn't made anything musical up to that point. So. Okay. Mm. And yeah, yeah so the, maybe just talk through the experience. So it was still a bit competitive. It was thing. great. It was still competitive. Yeah. What, what? Look, my perspective on it was that um, without offending anybody that's done really well in Storyland or not, I don't think there's a giant audience out there with bated breath going, oh my God, Storyland, what yeah. one will I vote for this week? Yeah. It's not the X Factor. Yeah. You have to create your own audience and bring them with you to vote. Yeah. And it wasn't something we were particularly good at. What I do know is the first, we we did find out the first week we like got the most votes by like a huge amount and then we got pretty much no votes the next week whatsoever. The, were kids I don't going we, on holidays the following week or something? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> School I, was out for the summer. I, I, I honestly don't know. And I, I, I thought we made a better second episode than the first episode. But we, what happened was the yeah. day we found out we didn't get it, we got a call from RTE and they were like, come in tomorrow. We'd really like to develop this show yeah. into something. Just shows how, how flawed the, 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 you know, the whole operation was. Don't get me wrong. It was wonderful. I was involved in a couple of productions yeah. as well. And it was very beneficial for me. But I have to say that it was just so flawed, the construct. That was the competitive yeah, element. Yeah, it yeah. just didn't I think because I haven't seen any of the more recent ones, but they went on to change just let people make a pilot, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah Which so is a much better idea, I guess. Yeah, so they're like 20-minute episodes. What gives now, them more basically. to play with then? The know, big yeah. regret, I think, myself and again, John, producer that I work with, <clears> had was that we kind of wish we just managed to pull together, just pull together 10 or 20 grand and had finished out the other four episodes because we had a lovely little... We had a lovely little story right, to tell. Right. Um, yeah. And then it just kind of gets cut off in its prime. But yeah. it d- I did rework it into half hour episodes, of which I have some scripts for. Um, 
but we haven't. But it's got there it's yet not us. dead. It's never dead. Or any project. No, but now dead? the Sing Street's been made. I probably can't go back. So we told them ripping off Sing Street. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. Uh, yeah. So going from there. Yeah. yeah. So you you had some talks, but. About yeah, we had we had some some talks, and I think traditionally, I'm sure I wouldn't be the only person to say that development with our national broadcaster can be challenging. But no. supposedly <laughs> they're trying to change that. So let's see what happens. I mean, it's yeah, it, like it. They make one or two dramas a year, you know. It's, they don't it's have a lot different. of money. Yeah, um, yeah. No. I think it was hard. We were trying to make something also that was going to like land at like Sunday night at half six, which was something that kind of hadn't been done before. Like that was the idea in expanding the, 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 the universe out. Like my dream was like, I don't, I don't, it just reminded me of being maybe the show, the, the show before the Antiques Roadshow. Yeah. The last high point of the weekend before you get depressed, hear the Antiques Roadshow music and then realise you haven't done your homework. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So more kind of like the Wonder Years as opposed to yeah. Where in the World kind of Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> more the Wonder Years kind yeah. of space. And it was a kind of family show, but it's it's um, it's hard. I, I haven't, it's the only attempts I've made into TV so far, although I have some stuff mm-hmm. on the shelf but haven't really pushed it yet. I think, and you know, we're still talking, was Netflix even running then? Probably, but like not in the way it is yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, we, we may we may go again. Um, could you tell us about the funding model for your was it your next short then? The next short Ghost film. Train. Ghost Train. Right. Yeah, that was a that was um, another rejection that turned into success. Which yeah, was, we'll, we'll get to that rejection. <laughs> that's a big thing. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, we uh, we went for signatures. I think it was the third time we'd gone for signatures. I actually never got a signatures or shortcuts or anything along the way, and we went in with this one. And usually you wait about three or four weeks and we kind of got to know the very next day with a, with a but, we want to send you over to Claremont-Ferrand to a co-production market. Mm. Um, they, like, you know, Film Board have been incredibly supportive of my career so far. Um, and I'm not just saying that as a PR thing, they've been really great. Um, and Don't really you mean helpful. Screen Ireland? Sc- sorry, Screen Ireland, yeah. <laughs> Can I say that in Irish? Probably not. Uh, fish, fish. fish. There you what's, go. A, what's a fish? Fish. 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 fish supper or something. What's a... Are they do, so I just saw Screen Ireland they're, they're doing No, but fish. well it's on the you know okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's so fish, is it? Yeah. Fish. I'm not going to try and pronounce it. Fish films. F I F O S, is it? F- fish. 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 <laughs> no, it's it. great though. The, the branding's fantastic. It's cool. Yeah, I really yeah. like it. Um but they uh between it was a cooperation between them and actually the Cork Film Festival at the time. Okay. Mick Hannigan who was there, they would pick a representative from Ireland to go and represent What a champion he is, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, big time. Really great guy. Um, and uh, you go over and basically pitch it to other European funders. And it was a real eye-opener, actually, that you, I, re- I was over there. We were there um, kind of slightly naive, and you realise that in Europe, mainland Europe, there's like um, there's people making a living making short films. So we were in there pitching. We were like, we're looking for... It was still a high-budget short. We were looking for like 35,000, 40,000. Mm-hmm. That was going to be half our budget for the short. Okay. There's people that were seeking like 320,000 euro for this short about euthanasia and uh, like some Danes or something. And yeah, like, yeah. Wow. And they'll get it made and like they'll, you know, the director will actually get paid. You know, there's yeah. people making a living. It's, it's a much bigger business than you realise there. So this was this multi-European pitching market. Okay. It went really well, actually. And um, you kind of afterwards, you have these meetings with different people that are there, but the, the Finnish Film Foundation and a Finnish producer showed real interest in the project. And, from memory, it was kind of all went quite smoothly. From there, we kind of came back to the film board and were like, hey, guess what? We think we can get like 40 grand. So can you help us out with the rest? And they, true to their word, they helped us get the film made, which was great. So it's a rare enough beast, a, a international co-production short. Yeah. Um, but it allowed us to get that little bit more money. And Yeah. And what was the element? So where, where did the finish? Like, did you 
shoot some of it or do so we we used for this for that we used Finland used um, we cooperated <laughs> and lovingly <laughs> we used and, them yeah, and, and, yeah um, we hoodwinked I mean we, <laughs> exactly. no we, we um, God, I'm trying to remember now so we did our all of our visual effects okay uh, we shot it over here did all of our visual effects and our colour grading over there okay. but there's a lot of visual effects in the film mm. right. um, and did we do anything else with Finland oh and our music of course <coughs> as well okay our music as well so we shot and cut here yeah. and then we did most of the rest of the post in Finland but it's amazing I made I, I visited during that whole spell for the say 30-40 VFX shots we had in the film the music composition the colour grade I spent all of like five days in Finland everything else was done over Skype okay which was an ama- kind of amazing yeah that you could do it yeah um, so that was fun that opened up a lot of doors and then Finland came the same producer came with us on the journey into the feature film, which was great. Okay. So there's, there's some Finnish support behind the Hole in the Ground as well. That's amazing. Lovely uh, segue into... There, there you tell go, us yeah. more. So about tell us about this Hole in the Ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> what's the elevator pitch? The Hole in the Ground, it's, um, it's about a young single mother who's Shauna Kerslake uh, is, is our lead. Yeah. And she's wonderful. She's amazing. And yeah, she's, she's superb. Um, she's superb in everything she's done yeah. uh, to date. Um, and um, yeah, it's about a young single mother who is seeking to build a new life with her little eight-year-old boy um, away from the kind of prying eyes of a dark past. And they're out in this, this kind of new rural environment and she discovers this enormous sinkhole in the forest near her house. And after that point, she starts to see some changes in her little boy and has to go on a journey uh, to figure out if it's just in her head or if it's something more sinister from the beyond. So it's, it's a psychological horror movie and it is certainly a movie that I hope people will make their own minds up about in terms of what they think is truly going on. Okay, um, cool. I'm not going to use the phrase elevated genre. <laughs> <laughs> Feel did free. I just do that? <laughs> just did, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, yeah, would there be any films that maybe you were influenced by or you would receive uh, comparisons favourably? Um, uh, Hitch, Hitch, any Hitchcock in there, no? no? Do you know what? I no? have to put my hands up and say, like, I love Hitchcock, but I haven't seen enough in general. I've got, like, the big ones, of course, but I'm mm. not hugely schooled mm. um, it's weird it's the same with Ghost Train loads of people said oh, it's really Stephen Kingy, and again I haven't actually read that much Stephen King yeah. but I've watched a lot of bad Stephen King movies <laughs> so I don't know if, that, if that's the comparison that's, been, that's yeah. been made yeah. but no I think it's it's um, you know it's the in terms of influence I don't think it's anything specific specific but certainly there's a little bit of kind of the paranoia of Polanski kind of apartment trilogy mm. okay. going on in there there are a few definite nods to The Shining being one of my absolute favourite movies yeah. of all time that yeah. I can never escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to move the camera a bit, so I guess that's the Spielbergian little 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 touch. But it's I, I've been asked this question already and by no means trying to sound arrogant, but you nearly don't want to answer it because you want to hope you've done something that's its own. Is it yeah. great? Is it really great? It's grand. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. another way of phrasing it would be like, if you like this kind of film, you'll like this. I think if you like any of the current horror films that are stepping out of the shadows into the mainstream, no. I would hope that yeah. you would also like this kind of movie. Actually, yeah, it's, it's, that was certainly, you know, th- this is a business as well, so there's a calculated mm. approach yeah. in what you're doing. I mean, there's some great, you know, horror genre movies been made. It Follows, uh, Quiet Place, these yeah. type of... Hereditary is making a big... The Witch. I just saw Hereditary oh, the other day, yeah. I'm oh, going to go see it. Would you recommend? Yeah, you've got to go and see it in the cinema. Yeah, yeah. Got some moments. It's got some... It's got some balls. And yeah. how much um, do you think about audience in terms of, I, I guess it's more when you're trying to get the funding in that. How do you... The funding in that. The funding in that. <laughs> the funding in that. Here we go. Um, 
in terms of my, like my thoughts on mm. audience when I'm working on something. Yeah, like, yeah. All the time, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, you know, the dark room with a captive audience is absolutely what, what you're always aiming for. Like, I will be disappointed if this film doesn't get seen in the cinema. Do you right. feel threatened by uh, str- online streaming platforms in that regard? As in it won't resonate or it won't, you know, affect as much as it should be, you know, the, the know. capacity you would like it to be seen? I don't know yet. Mm. I don't know. I think, like, obviously there's way more opportunity for people. There's also way more crap getting made. I've started going off, like, I, and I love Netflix, but I found myself feeling like it's a task, like going to the gym. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you have to spend like an hour trying to find something to watch. So there's a lot of stuff in there. But yeah, I think, I think hopefully, and we're, we're looking positively with this film, that we're going to be hopefully in a more theatrical space. Of course, then, you know, when it does go to VOD and into that, you know, mm. great, more people will see it. That, mm. That's yeah. superb. But I hope, I hope that there'll be enough people out there that'll want to go and see it. In this, they'll go and see it in the cinema. So as long as it's actually the threat comes from not that there's other things out there online, it's that the threat is really from people start deciding they don't want to go to the movies, yeah. you know. Yeah. But yeah. My, my overall hope for the film is my, my sick, my sick and twisted fantasy is that, you know, people go and watch it and they go home and they look at their little Timmy in bed and they go, ooh, what if? <laughs> that's okay yeah yeah that's the goal interesting interesting yeah. can i uh ruin their date night yeah that, well that's that's what everybody's plan isn't it um <clears throat> can i just uh ask you how you deal with people telling you to fuck off not in the street or but you know rejection yeah or you know do you have uh, lots of tears um whew, these are good questions uh <laughs> i think i got very used to it through advertising because in order to say do like four ads in a year, which is what you'd need to do, mm. you need to pitch on like ten or twelve. Okay. So you're spe- you know on a monthly basis you're get you're getting told no for stuff when it's your own work it's a little tougher. Mm-hmm. And with the hole in the ground we we you know we had some tricky moments in development where we could have just gone okay we're going to take that no and just step away. Okay. Um, I guess you tend to try and turn it into a positive. I know that's again a little cliche. Turn that frown upside down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in terms of of dealing with it, I think you just try and I think with all f- it's feedback, right? Yeah, that's all it is. And I think with feedback, what you need to try and do is um, see what the note behind the note is. Like why? Like I, well, why do they say no? Mm-hmm. Are they right? Sometimes they are right. Sometimes there's a reason to say no. Um, you don't see that straight away, though. You don't necessarily go, "Oh, that's great that that's a no." I now know it's crap. You're usually mm-hmm. angry at them and curse them and their families. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think <laughs> you need to try and just dig in and see what the problem is. And actually with the hole in the ground, I'd written a draft at one point that I was like, this, I can see the problem. It's just way too ambitious. There's like mm-hmm. three timelines and it's not all adding up and there's all this. Cr- and I was like, what is the most important thing to me in this story? And I took that out. Mm-hmm. And once we took that out and threw the rest away, mm-hmm. we went and made a movie. Mm-hmm. So although it was harrowing to get a no at a certain point, yeah. it led to making the film that we did and force you to be maybe more creative and of course you have absolutely. to conform to some degree don't you I mean it's a compromise yeah yeah, absolutely you have to yeah uh, and what was the budget and kind yeah, of where, where did it come from I, it's not never my job to talk about budget okay, yeah. it was healthy enough for a debut yeah. feature yeah yeah. Um, and again so it was an Irish Belgian Finnish co-production okay we have a great sales agent that came on board early as well and assisted with us making sure we got the movie made the way we needed to get it made but Brilliant. Like no matter how much money you have or don't have, like it still was was really really tough. It's it's. I always was like, oh, you know, it's like ninety percent set in a house. It's actually not. It's like fifty percent set in a house. Right. So there's a lot of other stuff <laughs> going on outside it, and um, you know, when you've got a big sinkhole in the film, there's 
this, you know, Literally. a lot of money disappears yeah. down that same <laughs> does, yeah. I, I wish I'd made <laughs> a film with the word hole in the title because <laughs> it's just, it's ripe for picking. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, and say, coming out, like doing your first feature, like was it the learning curve extremely st- steep or did you feel from all the, all, like everything stood to you to do the rest I think of I was ready. Right. to do it in truth finally is bollocks yeah. what did I tell no, you yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, was, I, was, I was definitely ready to do it but it's still yeah like I've learned an incredible amount you know and you don't realise what you're learning until I guess you go and do it again yeah but I know I can feel I can feel that there's a lot a lot of new thoughts ideas and kind of understandings about what's important and what's not was post-production more challenging than you expected or? it was quite relaxing actually really at times. yeah it was quite relaxing it, 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 you testy times like right. when you're planning pickups, for example, you know, and it, like it's always seen as this like, oh my God, you did pickups. Like, yeah, that's part of the filmmaking process. Mm. We're not perfect. You don't get everything right on the day. Yeah. And um, that was stressful because you're like, this is absolutely the last chance to put something else into the film or add a flourish or fill a little gap or mm-hmm. solve a little problem. And the planning for those can be quite stressful. Okay. And the same for the producers because it's like, there's not an endless pool of money in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. You're like, how are we going to make this work? Mm-hmm. We know we need this. It's worth doing this because we think we can improve the film. So the actual edit, like I work with one of my best friends as an editor we met years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, a kind of film school stage. Yeah. So that was, you know, qu- quite fun and relaxed. And we didn't, you know, we, we just, we did real like nine to five days on it. All right. so it, was, it was good, but we took our time. Yeah. yeah. And how would that work for you? I mean, would your editor go and do an assembly or, uh, and then you'd come in on that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I left him for a week. So he would start cutting while we start shooting. And I'd bring him out on set for certain tricky ah, days okay. as well, where mm. I'd go, this is the sort of day where I've got 50 shots in mind. I know that's never going to happen. And I might be asking you to stick three or four shots earlier in the day together so I can take a look at lunchtime and see where can I go. Because you're twisting and turning the whole time. Right. Your plan is only there to throw out the window. <laughs> Snakes and ladders. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. And so, so, yeah, like he'd be cutting for a while. So he'd have... He'd be providing the rushes to, as you go for funders, mm-hmm. you know, so that you show the money's been well spent and that everybody's seeing what's happening. So those rushes, and that's tough trying to watch those at the end of a day while you're planning for the next day as well. Yeah. Um, can be can be quite challenging. Um, and uh, and yeah, and then he's cutting away. And then like I finished and I said like he'll, he's like, I'll show you my assembly of the film as in his assembly of the film mm-hmm. in a week from now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you go in and say that shit. Let's do it my way. Absolutely shitting it. <laughs> yeah, <You're> absolutely. Because <laughs> I finished up and I was like, right, I'm just going to party for a week. Yeah, yeah. And then you come out of that with the worst fear possible. <laughs> going in to watch your watch your edit, it's just yeah, it's tricky. But as 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 Colin um, Colin Campbell, the, my editor, always says, like he's like, even even if we don't get it great, it still can only get better. Mm-hmm. You know, with yeah, all the yeah. work that we do, it will. This is the worst. This is the worst version of your film yeah. you're ever going to see. Scorsese says, if you don't feel physically ill when you see your first cut, there's something wrong. There's something, something not right. <laughs> yeah. And we had that thing as well where it was like, the film was extremely tailored in advance. So we didn't have the two and a half hour cut of the movie. Mm-hmm. The film's 90 minutes long. I think the longest cut of it was 98 minutes ever. Oh, That's all wow. that existed. It's tight. But things went in and things came out. It was more that kind of edit. But it was, it was a, a tightly, tightly planned. Edit. I guess that comes from your experience previously as well. You know? Quite possibly, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And just wanting to keep the, we want. I wanted to keep the quality up. Producers, they must absolutely love you. It's like bang, he's doing exactly what we wanted yeah. to do, and he's doing what he wants to do. So <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. And uh, so you're writing now. I am. How's writing. that going? Do you enjoy that part of it? Yeah, I yeah, I, I guess so. The blank page is always a fearful place. Mm. So yeah, I'm working on a couple of a couple of things at the moment, and 
one co-writing with with Stephen Shields, who I wrote the hole in the ground with, um, and then some other stuff as well. So ju- just actually, just this is week one of getting back into that phase. A little bit like I, I I dreamt of writing during the post production. I thought it would be oh yeah, of course, and like on weekends and those quieter days when you're only over here for X amount of time or doing something. Yeah, and then it's just it's hard to get the head out of the uh, yeah out of the challenge at hand and into something new, but yeah. It, when you f- sign off on your movie and you watch it and it's kind of like it's out of my hands now I felt the freedom to go and start working on something else when can we expect to see uh, Home the Ground I'd love to know that I'd love to know that so coming to a theatre near yeah, you yeah sometime it's, it's, it's really actually hard to say because we don't know when it's festival premiere will be mm-hmm. yeah we don't know what the release strategy will be there may be a trailer by like September time maybe mm-hmm. out of the world okay. um, you'll see you'll, hopefully everyone will see it within a year from now Okay. Okay. Within well, a year, yeah. let us know and we'll sure pass it on to. Not not like it'll need the plug, but we'll but give it a yeah. Of course, I anyway. appreciate that. Oh, you know, it's 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 important that we uh, we all support the Irish films that are out there and get them seen. Absolutely, Ali. Thanks so much for coming in. Not a bother. Thanks, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Cheers.